Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we will begin the study of the book of Zephaniah, that's uh, Zephaniah the prophet. And today we will study the beginning of chapter 1. So this is Zephaniah 1a. Just uh, by way of introduction, actually the first verse will introduce this prophet to us and his lineage and the time in which he said his prophecies. So let's read the first verse. Devar Adonai Asher Hoya. This is the word of God that was said El Tsefania to Tsefania Ben Kushi, the son of Kushi, Ben Gedalia, Ben Amaria, Ben Chizkiah, who is the son of Gedalia, the son of Amaria, the son of Chizkiah. The point being to give his lineage, his all the way back to his great-great-grandfather, Chizkiyahu, the king Hezekiah. So this prophet had a royal lineage and was a member of the royal family. And when did he say, then when did he live? Bimei Yoshiyahu, during the days of the king Yoshiyahu ben Ammon, the son of Ammon, Melech Yehuda. Now, Yoshiyahu was the son of Ammon, who was the son of Menashe, who was the son of Chizkiah. So um, the king was his, uh, I don't know, I guess like second cousin once removed or something like that. Anyway, because we know that he, uh, Tsefania said his prophecies during the days of Yoshiahu, or uh, known in English as Josiah, um, we know that Yoshiahu during the f first 10 years of his uh, kingdom, of his kingship, was uh, prior was days when the people of Israel were were um, still uh, rampant idol worship and rampant corruption and so on. And we know though that about ten years into his reign, he uh, the as the story is told in other places in the uh, in in the prophets that he found a Torah in in the temple and. He taught it to the people and caused and brought about a major revolution, bringing the people back to God, getting rid of the idol worshiping, and bringing people back to a, a righteous life. So Josiah, so was uh, was responsible for a major major positive turnaround in the kingdom, and therefore he's remembered as one of the great kings. Um, his father Ammon and his grandfather Manasseh were very evil kings and reigned for a long time and led the people in the wrong direction. Now, well, the, this, this prophecy, it seems, would have been said during the pre-revolution the pre times, the times before Yoshiahu turned things around, before Josiah turned things around, when the people were still corrupt. So, um, many would would say that Zephaniah, therefore, was one of the few successful prophets, so to speak. He criticized the people, warned them of oncoming destruction, and then the people did repent, they did turn around, they did change. Whether or not Zephaniah was responsible for that is, is unclear, but surely the teachings of people like him, Zephaniah, would have been at least to some degree responsible for bringing the peoples around. I think that's a reasonable thing to assume. This follows the book of Habakkuk, who we said had prophesied around the same time, also, um, which is why these two books are next to each other. So what is the 
the prophecy being stated. So let's see, go on to verse 2. A sof, a safe call. May al Adonai. That was verse 2 in Hebrew. The translation as, would be as follows A sof, a safe generally is understood to be a language of dis well a language at least in this context a language of destruction i am going to destroy all from the face of the earth so says god now um it is interesting this choice of words a sof a safe and we're going to see these words repeat themselves several times in the future verses the word a sof in hebrew um is used it usually means to to gather something together, to bring something close, to group things together. To, we see it there used in also in the context of destruction, um, and we see it used in the context of, of of death. So one way of understanding this is God is saying, "I'm going to destroy everything." We see something very similar in Jeremiah eight thirteen, where Jeremiah talks about a sof asifame. Um, I shall uh, destroy them, so it says God, where it means destruction. Now, but we also see sometimes Sof to gather is actually a good thing. We saw in Micah, Micha chapter 4, verse 6, we saw the following. Um, where Micah says, um, uh, the I will gather unto me the, the cripples. Another, and God is saying, I will gather them, meaning a good thing. I'm going to bring them closer to God. We also saw it, um, uh, also in, in Micha and Micah chapter 2. I will gather Jacob together. Um, so because we see this uh, meaning in, in so many uh, places, meaning so many different things, I wanted to suggest, uh, oh, another place where it's important to mention is we see that language in re reference to death, as we see the most famous in Genesis 49.33, where it talks about the death of Jacob, it says, Vaye osef el amav, he was gathered up unto his nation. In other words, he was gathered, his soul was brought back to join those that, had, that are in the other world, so to speak, together with them. I think that... The context, of course, is important. And of course, over here, it means some sort of destruction or something bad. However, I think the actual root of the word is always the same. What it really means is to, to, to gather something, to bring something together, to bring something close. And when God uses this language, because here it says, Um Hashem, this is God himself speaking. When God uses this language in, in, in a... In a uh, um, bad way, in other words, in a way that sounds like it's punishment, what he means is, I'm gathering you close to me in order to judge you, in order to check you out. In order, and when the people are evil, a sof, a, a safe is something scary because punishment is, when God brings you close, he's taking a close look. It's like when a judge says, come here, come to the front, stand on the stand so that you can be judged. That's, the, that's what it means in both places. So when, when God uses it in a context of no, I'm going to gather the, the crippled, I'm going to gather the poor towards me, what God is saying, I'm going to bring them close to me and I'm going to be, treat them properly, I'm going to, get, to be good to them, I'm going to have mercy on them. I'm going, 
you know. And when it talks about death, it 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 means I'm taking you back to your source. I'm bringing you closer to me. Um, but it could also mean, right? So to bring something close for judgment, to bring something close and therefore condemn it. So that's why. So I, it's important when we look at the next verse as well. So asof, I'm going to read it again. Asof, asaf, I will gather, call everything. When I do judgment, God says I'm going to judge everything. In other words, whether you're good or bad, whether you're up or down, right or left, everything, everyone, no matter where you live on the world, every single creature on the face of the earth, God says. In verse three, asaf adam, I'm going to gather all human beings, uvahema and animals. I'm going to gather the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. So God is saying, I'm going to gather it all. But ultimately, when I gather it to me, what am I going, what's going to happen? What's going to be the result? Since God is a God of justice, I'm going to judge and I'm going to punish the wicked. And when I gather everything, I'm going to gather all of the machshelos. Machshelos here would mean the um, the, uh, uh, the stumbling blocks, all of the all of the um, things that make people sin, all of the issues. I'm going to judge it all, the evil ones, the evil people, the rishaim. And as the Eben Ezra points out, that the beginning is universal. The beginning is saying, I'm going to gather all humans. I'm going to gather all animals. I'm going to gather all birds and everything. But then, what am I going to punish? I'm going to punish the evil. I'm going to gather the evil ones. And then I'm going to cut off the human beings. In other words, I'm not going to be punishing the animals. I'm not going to be punishing the fish. I'm not going to be punishing the birds of the sky. I'm not going to be punishing those that are not Rishoim, that are not wicked. But rather, I'm going to aim at the Adam, the people who are wicked. Noam Adonai, so says God. Now I know this is not exactly the way most of the translators and most of the commentaries translate this, but if we translate the word asof, meaning to gather, rather than literally to punish, then everything reads beautifully and everything makes sense. And then it also continues very well, it progresses beautifully into the next verse. Because God has just said, I'm going to look at everything, I'm going to gather everything, I'm going to judge everything. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to punish the guilty. And I am going to stretch my hand over the people of Judah. This is the other people that Stephania is addressing this to. So he's saying, after God looks at the whole world, he's going to zero in on you because you care about you. Yeah, he's going to zero in on other places too. But that's their problem. Now I'm talking to you about your problem. He was a... Uh, member of the royal family, he lived in Jerusalem, he was standing and saying in Jerusalem, God's going to talk to the whole country he's going to look at, and he's going to look right here in this city of Jerusalem. And what am I going to do? When I said before, I'm going to cut off when I said in verse 3, I am now explaining who is that that I'm going to cut out. I'm going to cut off and punish from this place at Sha'ar Habal, all the remnants of the of the idol of Baal, at Shem Hakimarim, all of the names of all of the priests that are worshiping the, the Baal, and the priests that that are together with the priests that 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 
that worship the the idol. The atamishtachavim al hagagos, and those of you that bow on the rooftops, litzvahashemayim, you bowing to the the beings in the sky, the sun, the moon, you're worshiping the constellations, you're worshiping. Biatamishtachavim, and those that that bow. But when they speak, they swear to God. In other words, they speak as if they're swearing to God, but they also, at the same time, they are swearing to Malcolm, the name of an idol. And those people who turn their backs upon God and don't even bother pretending. Like the, the, the verse 5 was talking about those that they speak like they're talking God, but they also they also worshiping others. But those that don't even bother and they simply just turn their backs on God. And those people that don't search Him out, and don't turn towards Him and don't turn towards God, all, those are the ones that I'm going to punish. Silence. It will be silent before God. Remember in Chavakuk verse 2, we also use this similar language. Um, I'm sorry, chapter 2 in Chavakuk. Uh, chapter 2 verse 20 it says uh, the land is silent before God the silence we explained then and it means the same thing now being silent before God means accepting his judgment what the Habakkuk over there used this, this same term when he was referring to understanding that God judges and God judges the righteous and God judges those that are not righteous and God's punishment will be placed on those that he feels he deserves it. So you must be silent before him. There is nothing to argue with. Ki karov yom Adonai, because the day of God is coming. Now this day of God is, is, could be seen as a reference of Tzifania referring to the punishment that's going to come, the destruction that's about to come. Historically, the destruction of Jerusalem, which was going to come you know, soon enough afterwards. Or the destruction that may have been averted when Josiah decided to, to turn the people towards God. But when we talk about this day of God, we also have to understand that these are referring to the ultimate day. The ultimate day of God. The day of judgment. The day in the future. Whenever, wherever that will be. But the day when it all will go down, so to speak. The day when, when true justice will be revealed. Ki Adonai Zevach. God has prepared a sacrifice. Hektish Kiruav. When it says refers to God as being preparing a sacrifice, um, you remind us of what we said in Isaiah chapter thirty-four, verse six, when 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 God says, uh, which was talking about the, also over there the the ultimate day of God, the day when justice will be meted out, the day when the when the evil will suffer. Isaiah in chapter 34 used the same language. He said, There is, there is sacrifices happening in Batsra. There it was referring to God uh, destroying the evil people uh, of Batsra, of, of, of Edom. But um, we hear that Tsefania is using the same language. God is preparing a sacrifice, meaning he is going to punish the wicked. He has set aside those that are invited to be there to participate when that sacrifice is is occurring. Some understand this to mean um, the animals which are going to um, be there to eat the, the, the corpses um, and, and kind of referring back to uh, Deuteronomy, Devarim 28, um, 
where we had you know the the verse there which states uh um that um i'm sorry uh, uh, and your corpses will be for food for the for the birds and the animals. So that's one way of understanding this. God is inviting them to the feast over the sacrifice of the people that He's going to punish. Another way to understand this that that would be the Radak and the Mitsudos translate it that way. Rashi translates it a little differently, and God is inviting His armies to come and punish the people, which would then be a reference to Nebuchadnezzar, to uh, uh, the king of Babylon, who is going, to, who is now being predicted that he's going to come and destroy the people of Jerusalem. However, I, I think a much easier way is to leave this a lot more generic, and rather than defining exactly what he's talking about, God is just saying he's inviting all of the Keruah, everyone to come to this feast, just like he started off saying, Asof I am gathering everyone together. Everyone has to come together because I'm going to judge everyone. I'm going to judge everything. And out of those, I'm going to pick the ones that deserve suffering, the ones that deserve punishment, and the ones that deserve to be redeemed. V'hayon it will be, and this, and this is exactly how it continues when it says in verse 8, V'hayon and it will be on the day of God's sacrifice. What am I going to do? I'm going to pick out the ones that... Um, that I um, that are guilty and specifically I'm going to aim at the leaders the leadership uh, we saw this uh, many times in Isaiah and in as many of the other prophets that we studied um, that the corrupt leadership was one of the key problems and I will punish the the officers and on the princes and remember Tsefania himself was a prince and he is criticizing his own family. And I will punish all of those who dress in a foreign or a strange um, clothing. Now, what does this mean, Malbush Nochri? There's a lot of different explanations for this overall. However, I am going to... Um, uh, 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 you know, some assumes that it means... Uh, a, a, a uh, you know the, the um, I'm sorry Ma'abushnachri uh, is is uh, if if we uh, the, the, is rather than a strange clothing what this means is a per, it's a one way I'm sorry one way of explaining this is Ma'abushnachri strange clothing meaning they're dressing in the cloaks of those that worship idols that's how many of the commentaries see this that they're like they put on the clothing of the garments of the priest that serves the idol however another way of understanding this is mabush nachri meaning someone else's clothes meaning stolen right those that dress up in things that they've either literally stolen or from someone else or they are dressing in clothing that they are wearing through because they gained the means to get those clothing through illicit ways those that oppress others, that oppress the poor, and that would be specifically on the on the princes and the and the wealthy people who oppress the poor and thereby gain those clothing that they're wearing, and that would be called Shimabush Nachri, and that would be um, uh, kind of like the Radak kind of explains it that way. 
that ufokadati al kol hadoleg al hamifton bayomahu. This is verse nine, and I'm going to punish everyone that jumps over the threshold on that day. Bayomahu almost always in the prophets means that day out there in the future. Now, what does this mean? Those who jump over the threshold. One way of understanding it is there was a custom in those days of, of in the, the Philistines when they worshipped their god Dagan, they would they wouldn't step on the threshold; they would jump over it. So this is a it would then be a reference to those who who worship idols. Those that translated out the the foreign garment and that we just ended in the last verse would translate it this way. If they assume the foreign garment means the garments of those that worship idols, then this is referring to those that jump over the threshold. Those that explain it meaning foreign, meaning someone else's clothing, meaning stolen, then the dolegal miftan, jumping over the threshold, is a reference to jumping, it went, it went sneaking into someone's house, running into somebody else's house to take their things. Um, and that would fit better with the end of the verse because it continues. It says, those that jump over the threshold to take other people's things away, that they then turn around and fill up their master's house with chamas, with things that are taken with lawless violence, mirma and lies. So again, the, so this would fit better with the second translation. Those that, that dress in other people's garments, those that that invade other people's private space in order to take their things. Those are the people who come, when they come before God, they fill up God's house, the house of their master, with Hamas, with things that they shouldn't be theirs, either because they literally took it, like actually went and took it and stole it, or they took it by oppressing others, creating a system of justice that takes away from the poor and gives to the rich, umirma and lying and cheating. All boils down in the end to Hamas Umirma. It all boils down to interpersonal violence, oppression, and lying and fraud and cheating. That's what Stefania's vision boils down to. God will gather the people together on that day, and He will judge the people. And who will He judge? The Rishayim, the evil ones. Thank you so much for studying Stefania 1a together with us. Looking forward to finishing the first chapter in our next podcast.